0: That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by at and Business. Here's a story that might interest you. Three childhood friends go to college together, and in their senior year, right before graduation, they decide to start a business. They name it Betches. They take that business and build it into a multi-million dollar media company. I'm happy to have with me today the three founders, Sammy Sage, Jordana Abraham, and Aileen Drexler, and they're going to tell me how they did it. Okay, Betches, take me back Uh, 10 years ago. You're sitting in your dorm room at Cornell, and you come up with this idea. I feel like uh, I'm on the Shark Tank show again when I say, how'd you come up with the idea? (laughs)
1: Well, the three of us, we never really sought out to create a business. I know this is a business podcast, but that was never our intention in the beginning. Um, The three of us wanted, you know, we were seniors in college, we wanted jobs, but we saw this opportunity to create something kind of funny in response to um, this very very prevalent bro culture that was going on and we felt that there was nothing like that for women um, and the three of us kind of thought we were funny but <laughs> so we, we we created a blog at the time and wrote observations about the lifestyle of what is now called the millennial woman which we, we were call- just calling betches at the time and it kind of caught on and we didn't expect it to
0: when it caught on, were you at a bar once and kind of tried out your material and people responded and you said, hey, let's use that? Or was it just you went on to it and everybody responded right away? How quickly did people have a great reaction?
2: So in the very early days of our um of our blog, you could see like the there was a little number at the bottom right of the screen which said the the hits, they called them. Uh-huh. Like, or how many people were visiting and they were just going up so fast that we were, we just kept refreshing. And I think that was like how we knew we, we were kind of caught on and we, we heard like a little bit of a buzz, but like there were actual, people were commenting on the post, but there were, there was actual, like a physical number that we saw rapidly
0: rising. How did that feel? I must I, I would think seeing that happen, I would be like, oh my God, oh my God, does it seem like a miracle or like, well, of course they love us. What was your attitude in response to that?
3: definitely felt really great like it was um really validating and because we um because it had was sort of started as like a joke or just for fun it was like especially validating yes. because it was like a surprise um and yeah it was it was great. Like, I think that, I don't think that we in the beginning thought that people were going to be like that into it, but over time, once the response was really
0: positive, we started to then like sort of expect that people liked it. And did that happen while you were at school so that you decided then and there, let's make this a business. Let's throw our feet into this and our hearts and our hands and everything. Or was it a gradual growth? And did you get other jobs after you graduated? You're one year away from graduation when you got it
1: started? A few months away, we just knew yeah. that we could, this is something that we wanted to work on um, rather than this is some a business that we want to start. Um, but we moved back home for the most part and wanted to continue working on this, not because we saw this like massive vision of what this could be we were just like we have something here let's keep it going and let's let's create as much quality content that we can while we while we have sort of the luxury and the the lack of responsibility at that time we were sort of taking advantage of our circumstances being post grad you know it's the summer and just you know parents kind of not really down our back about what we're going to do r- just yet. <laughs> I think they were pretty down our back but um <laughs> we were also just like
3: <laughs> they were also pleased to see that we had a project that had so much traction and also like because like they were hearing about it. Like I remember like my mom hearing about it from other people and at that point there's <laughs> like you know that I
0: feel like that kind of made her believe in in us. Of course. God, I, I can't imagine myself being a mom and not having such a thrill of pride, you know? Did they even get what a blog was? Did you have to explain it? Were they with it? or No. It or
1: not? <laughs> not, not mine. I mean, my parents <laughs> wanted me to be a doctor and they, you know, five years ago they oh, were asking. <laughs> um, but no, it took some time to understand like, what is the value of this blog? Like, does it have potential for being your career? I think that's what kind of took the time. But they definitely saw that, you know, it was, we were really, really excited about it. You know, they've we were just in school, but this was the most exciting sort of passion project that we were working on and 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 there was validation. There were people who were just constantly talking about it. So
0: how how much should money have to do with it? Were you thinking we got to make money so we could support ourselves, or did you not really care about that because you're living at home? And how long did it take to even make money? Where you said, "Hey, this this is going to support us. We're going to do well with this." So we started making oh, money, sorry. like like implementing advertising
3: fairly quickly. Um, like right after we graduated, we worked to like redo the site so that we could you know, put advertising on it. But, um, at that point, like it was not nearly enough money to support ourselves, but it was enough money to like pay for the minimal expenses of running the website and just like enough to kind of like let us, you know, read, you know, redo it again in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at that point it was not enough money to live on, especially outside of our parents' houses. Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning, like that was, it didn't bother me so much for like a year, let's say, to like be living, um, you know, in, in my parents' house, but- it's probably so busy all the time.
0: You probably ignored your parents, right?
3: Yeah, totally. But, um, but over time, um, it got to be quite disheartening to like not, uh, you know, feel like
0: we were moving on post-college and living independently. And when did you move on? How long did you stay there? And when did you make enough money to go out and self-support? It took one. like
3: two years yeah. to move out, um, and then at what point did we start like fully? Probably 2013. Like, three years?
1: 2013 yeah. we moved. We yeah. um were able to afford a us t- to move out of the house. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's when we sort of started um, like taking, you know, advertising seriously for our website and exploring e-commerce, the following year. And that's when we really kicked it into high gear before we were really ramping up growing our audience. And again, still focusing on quality content. That's still a core piece of what we believe in today is quality. Um, but we, we, at that, that, that's when like the business side sort of kicked in by that, by 2013, 2014. So
2: it definitely took a while to like live in a way that wasn't like, page, well, pay, we never really got paychecks, but like, um you know, enough money to live like comfortably without stress or anxiety. Like even when we were living in the city, it was still like, it took a while to really get to that point where we were like, okay, we can fully support ourselves on this without having to get anything else without having to do anything else I remember I had student loans so that was like a big thing because that was due every month regardless of whether or not you know they don't care how much betches is making they just need an actual payment so I remember that being a very stressful thing and being able to pay that off I felt like was like a moment where I felt like okay this is this is something that we can really do
0: a victory actually I would say how did you decide okay. who did what? And I'm wondering where you ran your operation during those early years. Was it on your own computers individually or did you have a spot you all collected on and collaborated?
1: Um, we we worked from our computers. Eventually we uh, rented a WeWork when that was kind of up and coming. But um How did we decide what the three of us did? I mean, it it evolved over time to be transparent. Um, We followed where the business needed us, the three of us most, and also that Best aligned with our skills. So where we are today is different than we, where we were three years ago, but that's because the needs of the business were different then. When and start, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, and that's sort of how we how we progressed over the last ten years.
0: Uh, when I was starting my business, I was very lucky to meet my business partner Esther Kaplan within probably four months of starting, and she. It was clear to me what she was going to be in charge of money. Uh, totally, Uh, operations, personnel, computers, all the stuff that runs a business. And I was in charge of the bullshit, which I was really good at in sales, right? (laughs) Uh, But it was surprising to me that in all the years we were together, 24 years before we sold our business, that we never changed those roles one iota. And yet our business dramatically changed. And yet we never changed those roles. How about the three of you? Have you jockeyed those roles? And what do you each to now that was different than when you got started if there was anything i think it's been i think one of
3: the one of the challenges over the past 10 years is has been figuring out what those roles are the three of us like when we started we're all re- we're all creative and i think that what really inspires all three of us is you know doing creative things whether it's whether it's you know being talent on a podcast and having like these really honest conversations or coming up with content for social media or or writing so we were th- that's like was the heart of the business and that's what i think like all three of us are you know we all feel like drawn to but mm-hmm. over time obviously like you can't have all three founders you know directly working on that and like especially since we're not with the exception of podcasts we're not like responsible for making the kind of like churn of day-to-day content yes. um but now we you know now we have like pr- we have fully divided roles um i i'm in charge of the content which in, which involves like all the podcasts social newsletters, editorial, everything in that area. It means the same you
0: don't do any of the writing anymore yourself?
3: I do occasionally write, but it's not like I'm trying to like put out a post a week. Yeah. Um but if I feel inspired by something, like I'm more than happy to that's like kind of like my favorite thing to do honestly. Like that's when I feel most like alive at work is when I'm actually like making something, but that's just sort of not the reality of like running the business and how about you um,
0: what do you do
1: um so yeah i mean i also love the creative stuff but i've sort of challenged that created creativity into like creative strategy so um i oversee biz- business management operations brand and marketing and external relations um but podcasts are fun too
0: at the root of all that is good salesmanship is that your forte
1: i can sell you a pen yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. And how about you, Jordana? What do you do? Um, I oversee
2: partnerships and revenue. Oh, so sounds boring. Yeah. It is boring, which is why um, I'm also glad that I'm very involved in podcasts as well. Yes. So, like, like Sammy said, like we all um, really like the creative stuff is what kind of, at least for, for me, also um, keeps me excited, keeps me on my toes. Like, um, and so hosting a podcast is definitely one of like, the, the more fun, exciting, engaging things that I do.
0: I remember there was one junction in my business, I'll never forget it, where Esther came in and said, it must be fun taking all the calls from the reporters. I'd like to cut <laughs> my hand at that. And I knew I had a problem for the first time on territories, right? Mm-hmm. no problem. And as luck would have it, the Wall Street Journal called on some item, And I immediately said, quick, get online, whatever it is at that time, and take that call from the reporter. He's asking about this. And she panicked, got on the phone, and I watched because we had a glass wall between our two offices. I watched her squirm in her chair for 10 minutes, and I said my prayers to God saying, Thank you, God. Thank you. And after that, she hung up. I went in. I said, okay, you want to be in charge of reporters? She said, I can't do it. Don't ever give it to me again. <laughs> yeah, I say that funny story because it was a one infraction and in all those years together where things got a little mixed up and envy entered into you ever feel envious or, or bad feelings at all about, you know, she's getting to do this and I get to do this and I, you know, that I would have liked to have done that. Any of that? infighting quietly even on territories because three is a crowd three is always a crowd i don't
2: i don't know so much that it's about um like the territories or like um that someone has to do something but like i mean we're we're friends who've started this company for 10 years we've definitely gotten into our fair share of fights especially you know <laughs> before we were all remote we would we worked in the same room office together so it's like that's more than you see a spouse is like you're in the same room every day all day yeah. Um. with your friends but they're also your business partners so the lines get blurred um, so we've definitely gotten to our fair share of disagreements but like we really one of the thing we've prided ourselves actually on is like being able over the years to figure out like okay this is not a good time for this person to talk about this subject we're gonna like let it go like you can we can because we know each other so well we can read each other and okay. sort of use that knowledge to figure out the best way to hash
0: out any sort of disagreement. You've never brought in a house shrink or an arbitrator to sort things out and have a distant view on anything?
1: We've had business We've... coaches, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's honestly, I think also the secret sauce is because we're friends, we trust each other. And that's why the territory thing doesn't really become a problem because we, we talk it through no matter what. Um, and we respect each other's territories now more than ever because we realize that without it, our business wouldn't be where it is today. Uh-huh.
0: You know the old expression uh don't do business with friends. You're like living proof that that's just not true, right? You blew that <laughs> out. Yeah. You know,
3: I here's the thing, like I think that we are in a very unique situation I and I would still say that 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 idiom applies to most people and most <laughs> friendships. And um I think there's something I think there's, cause it's, it's not like we met as friends when we were adults. Um, We met as friends when we were like really, really young, like elementary, it. middle school. So uh. it's been pretty formative Um, to have each other, like in our lives in a way that is more like, it almost feels more like a family business than friends in business. Obviously uh. like we're not, you know, in the same family literally, but there <laughs> is like sort of a familial vibe, I think um. that's more like. It feels more like a familial vibe at least to me than it feels like a I started a business with like a friend, and I look at like friends who are founders in other. Situations And it just, it just has a different feeling, I think, to it.
0: So, you know, it's almost like a marriage where you have a childhood sweetheart. Those marriages, by the way, <laughs> tend to last better than other marriages. A three-way marriage. <laughs> three-way, wait. Yeah, three-way marriage. Amazing, really. But what about marriage? I did, I'll segue into that. I wanted to ask you about that later, but let me bring it up now. Um, how do the men fit into this? I know, Jordana, congratulations. You recently engaged. Aileen and Sammy, you're both married, right? For Yes. yes not so long right i've been married for like 6 months
1: <laughs> mine is yeah you know, a year and a half but um i think that we i don't i don't think this is a coincidence um that we three chose partners that really value successful women um yeah. don't feel threatened by it um probably is one of the things they love about the three of us and i think that allows us you know to to do what we do and I, yeah, I also the fact that my husband at least values that in me, that makes me love him more. So mm-hmm.
0: I think it's a hard thing. And of course, I'm of a different generation. But of the women of my generation, uh, when they're enormously successful, or grew to be enormously successful and married before they were successful, uh, most of those marriages did not stay together, because it did feel threatening to the men, no matter how secure the men might be. Uh, so it always became an issue of the many women that I know that have been successful maintaining a marriage, uh, I think is hard, harder work to some degree. I think things have changed now. All right. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you is, um, did you seek each other's counsel on what do you think of them? you think he's going to work out? You think he's secure enough? Do you think, or was it just your own private affair that each chose a man? And I'm sorry to pin one more question. Would you have chosen that guy 10 years ago when you weren't as successful as you are the same guy? Okay. You're saying no, Sammy. What? No. Su- well, I not even because of success. Like
3: I feel like I would not, like my husband's like a really like nice, stable, like good hearted guy who is like not afraid to like To to be that way, like he he doesn't try to like put on a tough Mm. exterior, like I think, or like a sarcastic or like I'm cool exterior. I think that back in the day, I would not have been attracted to like just like a nice, confident person who like doesn't need to prove himself. Yeah,
0: maybe not like exciting as you would have found a different guy back then. Yeah.
3: Also, like he when he when we met, we met like five years ago like we were, the three of us were like pretty successful, like maybe like less financially successful, but like, we were pretty successful, like in terms of like, you know, we had had, you know, best selling books, like we were pretty established.
0: So. And uh, how about you, Jordana? You were the late comer to the (laughs) marriage crowd. Uh, Were you a little scared (laughs) picking out a spouse? And did you seek the counsel of your cohorts on what's he like? What do you think about him?
2: Yeah. I mean, I have a whole, we have a whole dating podcast that I host that's about, you know, that'll probably tell you why I was the last to be, <laughs> to be getting engaged. Um, and like, kind of like Sammy said, like, I think that when we started this, um, we had maybe like, we're valuing different types of, of guys. And I think that as, um as we got older, and again, if you listen to the you Up podcast, you can get my whole dating journey and we talk about really long-term relationships too you might enjoy it um and yeah I think I mean I started that dating podcast after I was like four months into dating um my now fiance and I think at the time it was like you like Aileen said like them being supportive of what we were doing I remember being like is this okay with you I'm about to be sharing stories about you know not only dating you but also dating other guys before you and he was like yeah that's in the past and he thought it was cool yeah really important obviously it wouldn't have grown to where it is today with if you didn't have that mentality
0: i think who you choose as a spouse probably has more to do with your future happiness than anything you could ever do in business if you're miserable at home man it comes into everything so good for you that you waited and good for you that you chose great guys right let's take a short break to talk about a company i love Now let's get back to the show. All right. So you used your own money to start the business. You asked your family for some help to expand your business in this way or that way, uh, but you've never taken in partners. Why is that? You never had a financial partner or am I wrong on that? Maybe they slipped They're in. Right. You're right. Didn't
1: know about it. No, you're right. We're, we're self-funded. And when our families helped us just a little um, in the very beginning, that was the last time they helped us financially um we self-funded bootstrapped the business still to this day we're 100% owners of the company um we just never felt like it was the right time nor did we really need it over time we were we we were profitable year over year and we just kept that going and we never took for granted really the creative freedom that awarded us to that was really important um but yeah, that we just kind of, never say never, of course, but um for 10 years, we just, we didn't think it was, it was the right move. And again, we didn't need it.
0: I think with a lot of my entrepreneurs, it seems to be the seventh or eighth year in their business or thereabouts that they decide they want to take some money off the table. Have you not had that thought? Like, let's, let's not sell the whole thing, but let's take a big chunk of money off the table.
1: I think that that, is in the back of our minds. Sometimes I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, financial security is definitely in the backs of our mind, especially as we are getting older, building families, you know, it's, it's natural, especially as women. Um, but again, like we want to do it the right way. And um, we, we really believe in the future of our company. This isn't something that we just kind of want to, okay, here, you can just take it. Um, we really see it expanding in the future. Our brand, I believe, and the three of us believe has a lot more to do beyond content. Um, and it needs to be the right, the right move for us. And, you know, there's definitely been been lots of people who've come to us and said they're interested trying to court us. But, um, and of course, again, I'm not going to say that we were like, hell no, get out of (laughs) here, you know, but we, we, we listened to what they had to offer and we were like, this is not the right opportunity. So again, we're like the way that we value our content and everything that we do in terms of quality, we believe that needs to be the same for a strategic business partner, especially now that we've been doing this for 10 years. Look, we would be lying if like
3: we said that we didn't want like some sort of financial reward. I think anybody, I think you need to want that to like motivate you Definitely. to keep working harder um, and to keep building it. So like, yeah, I understand that feeling that you alluded to of like, you know, we've been doing this for so long. Like, you know, I want, you know, I want, you know, I want to see those Corcoran listings and like, you know, for those houses.
0: You could see them for free. You just don't have to buy them.
1: Okay. But you know, <laughs> I'd like to realize them.
0: What I'm saying
3: is I'd love to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> you have any available. But no, yeah, it's definitely like, I would say that that is definitely like something that we've like all thought about. It's not worth it to kind of give up like the what made the company so amazing um, and like to continue to to work towards that. Because it's not like, you know, if you keep working, the the opportunity will go away for a big payout.
0: It potentially might even just get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I have a theory on all of this Uh, And it's just a theory, but it's my own theory because I've seen it again and again and again. I don't think you appreciate how much poetic, uh, intellectual, and imaginative freedoms you have growing a business and how you're free to make the wrong calls as well as the right calls without any monkey on your back until you're looking back and see how a partner would have gotten in the way. I've never seen any of my businesses or myself cash out at any point of anything where those freedoms weren't the trade. Nobody talks about it. Like I remember just simply my suitors when I was selling the Corcoran Group saying, we love everything about you. We can't believe you're a marketing genius. We think you're da-da-da-da-da. I mean, they. I was like floating in the air like these guys get me better than I get myself. But the minute the money's paid, I have never seen... Wings not get clipped financially and creatively. And so I think you have been spot on having the freedom to get your momentum and get your business to the image that you saw for yourselves all along the way. And if you do ever sell a portion of your business, even a minority share, I'm going to tell you, I've never seen an exception where people didn't say, God, was the money worth it? (laughs) Was that money worth it? Really? That's interesting. I'm not trying to say everybody's a boogeyman because, of course, what comes with it, what's so appealing is the larger company with deep pockets that can raise funding again and again. You get to envision your dreams. but What also comes with that is spending money not so wisely anymore. Something about your own cash that you struggle for and killed yourself for. That dollar when you're spending it somehow has more weight than the next guy's dollar. I don't care what you say. Oh, 100%. That's definitely
3: true. We've, we, because we've never been funded, like everything we've ever spent on, everyone we've ever hired has mm-hmm. been like a real question. Um, you know, It's been something we really think about. And that is definitely true because you know we don't have like piles of cash from a bigger company to be sitting on in case we like... Make a mistake, or yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but that all being said, I want you to know I'm going to offer you right now
1: <laughs> an investment dollars
0: for 25% because I see four squares on my screen. 25% right now for how much? How, what's the
3: no we're we we, we've been working on our valuation and uh (laughs) we know that it is worth more than that for that reason we're out (laughs) you're out. i don't blame you (laughs) well we would love to have you as a partner though so you know you want to talk we'll 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 talk talk offline
0: pretty opinionated i have to say i have a very strong opinion on just about everything (laughs) Well,
3: you have more experience than us, so that might be a good thing.
0: It's an interesting thing. I'll I'll share with you this. Uh, When I buy businesses on Shark Tank, of course, everything's rosy when you're buying. I wouldn't close on them, right? So I close on the majority of the businesses, but that's not how I size up the business. I wait about three months after the phenomenal effect of Shark Tank is laid over the business. Sales go up. Everybody's telling them they're in love with them. They they become celebrities in their own right, like good entrepreneurs. And I wait about three months when the crap hits the fan. The first thing goes wrong, like the mold didn't come through. They never delivered the product. They put the wrong ingredients in the cake. Whatever the business is, I can't wait for that day because I sit back and watch my entrepreneurs. And you know what I find? I find that the ones that are going to be winners, which are only one in 10 actually in the end, okay, uh, the ones that are going to be winners uh, take it in the chin and blame it on themselves. The ones that aren't going to be winners blame it on the next guy. I have found that to separate the men from the boys, the women from the from from the girls every single time, you know, it's just, and you know what? I had a point in there. I r- arrived at that point, which wasn't the point I wanted to get to. <laughs> Might come back to my head in a minute. Um, hmm. Well, it was a better point. <laughs>
1: I think the point was that I you really wanted to come, and, come on board to uh, advise us. <laughs> I think oh, that's what you yeah. were getting to. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. No, you should get me back on the point. Here's the point. With, we can take it on the chin. With my great entrepreneurs, they ask for my advice all the time, and I've got great advice. I've done it, seen it, some version of it all before, and I share that. No obligation to listen. I find that my great entrepreneurs listen to their own beat. They might be nice to me, but they ignore whatever I say, and they do what they want. Whereas everybody else, 9 out of 10 that aren't going to be great, are taking notes like, could you repeat that, Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that great entrepreneurs uh, walk to their own beat, totally, and don't really listen to advice. They might graze on it, but they really listen to their soul on what they do and the decisions they make. And it's a great sign when I see that, you know? I can promise you we never take notes. So, <laughs> okay. All right. okay, I'm talking too much. I want to ask you about uh, an oddity that surprised me. I remember when I met you, you wanted to be anonymous behind the scenes. So when I first heard of you, that was your mantra. What happened there that you came out and said, hey, this is us. We're behind this business. Get to know us. What happened there?
3: Um, okay, mm-hmm. so when we started as anonymous, um, the 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 anonymity partly I think came out of like the the reason why we started it, which was like for fun, as a fun project. Um, At that point, we thought we were going to get like traditional jobs um, post college because we were. It was like February of our senior year. Yeah. And so the the anonymity both came out of like necessity and out of sort of like happenstance. Um. But we found that the anonymity actually served the. The, you know, the content because it helped it be more relatable to people who weren't similar to us. Uh-huh. Um, and we could see that there was like, it also helped us, I think, see our potential because we could see that there was much more in common with women that we maybe didn't necessarily think that we were making this for. Exactly. So it definitely really helped. Um, and then honestly, like the New York Times approached us. And we're like, do you want to like, you know, we'll write about you. Do you want to talk about your business? But, you know, you, you would come out and say who you are. And we were like, okay, like we feel like we're ready to do that. This was in 2013. We felt like we were ready to do that because it's not, we needed to go further than what we were just doing, which was like writing a post a day in this, you know, in this like funny voice. Um, and we wanted to like be able to expand and we thought that if we, you know, this was clearly what we were really doing, like this was our job. Um, and we thought that it would just offer us more opportunities if we were, you know, if we actually be, came to own right. who what, we what, were. Especially we for out? the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have come out for just anybody though.
0: Now, what a great story scoop for them, actually. <laughs> they must have been like, they couldn't believe your your answer of okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> I read that story and I was surprised, uh, you know, I was like, well, is they going to come out? This is the way to grandstand. And what kind of a difference did that make in your business? What was the immediate knee jerk reaction to that from people on the outside?
2: i think we definitely got like more legitimacy from having that um it was on like the front page of the style section it was definitely like very cool and exciting for us we got i after that i do remember there were a lot of like spinoff articles and then we also got approached by some like production companies who'd seen the article and you know like when whenever we have a larger press want it wanted you know would want to create something with us or we're not they didn't wind up being like the correct partners, but we definitely got a lot more interest, advertiser interest, that kind of thing. And it was right on the cusp of our our expansion into like not just the website, but other forms of social media, like our Instagram was blowing up. So it definitely came at like a very um, solid time for our, our business. Uh-huh.
0: Did you, after that you pursue more publicity? I know it came your way. I saw a lot of articles, but. Did you pursue it as a vehicle to expand your business or just kind of happened?
1: I think it was, um, it was, it wasn't something that we focused on um, because PR is great. It's a great tool, but it wasn't. The key to our like marketing, our marketing has always been just putting out really good, funny, shareable, shareable is the keyword content. And we really focused on that. But obviously PR, I mean, we're here, right? So PR definitely has its merits, but that wasn't like a key strategy for us.
0: What about the satire in your writing? I wanted to ask you about that. At times that kind of got you in a little bit of trouble, but that is like tongue in cheek kind of snap that you do. Um, What do you think about that? Is there anything in your mind that you would consider bad publicity or is that all helpful to the brand? I mean, there's definitely a such thing as- Before I forget, I just want to also ask you the tail end of that. And does it fit in today's environment that's so hypersensitive about everything? Go ahead.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I definitely think there's a such thing as bad publicity. Like I, I'm not the person who's like, as long as people are talking about you, like, that's great. I don't. I don't really agree with that because there's so many people I've heard of only in the context of negative things that they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the satire, like that's really like how we we started that way because a that went along with the anonymity, um, and we felt like we could really like make very uh, a little bit more like sophisticated jokes by sort of like owning it in that way because we were sort of part of like this audience we were writing about. So we didn't want to like come across as like completely like hatery and negative, but oh. as a way to sort of help women sort of, Im- you know, not embrace, but like understand their own like peculiarities and ridiculousness. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. 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 The point of it was always like to be funny. Um, you know, we don't really write like to in that way anymore. We haven't for many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Today's environment is very, very sensitive. And, you know, I don't know if people necessarily like have as much space for certain types of humor that they might have in the past. Some of that for good reasons, you know, like some jokes are, you know, maybe not okay um, or harmful to people. But I also think that that has um, limited like the overall freedom of expression, especially in comedy.
0: I think it's I think it's really limited a lot of expression everywhere. I mean, even in our office, um, like we have a very small office. I'm not, I'm much more conscious of how I come across or what I say. It's almost less fun. I hate to say it. I think it clips the feathers. Definitely in. less fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. less fun. But I think. In- it's some, but it's it's necessary in time, like at times, it's good to, I believe it's good for us to sort of like gauge the audience, but there there is a limit to a degree. But going back to like what we've pivoted to from satire is that, you know, at that time we felt, and also we were younger, we were afraid of being flawed. Um, that, that was kind of the way we expressed ourselves. As we got older, we were a lot more comfortable being like showing those flaws. And so we now relate to our audience in through vulnerability, which you can see through our podcasts and all of our content and being, you know, like realness and just being real and authentic is, is extremely important to us. And I think that that was a big shift over time, but really like the most notable shift. And I think that really helps us stay trusted by our audience now too.
0: Absolutely. I would say trust is your middle name, quite honestly, in every way. Yeah. Um, what about uh, your rebranding? You've been in business 10 years, and I know you've been attempting to rebrand. Help explain that to me, because I don't quite get it. What are you doing specifically, and where do you want to arrive with it?
1: Um, it, was, it was mostly a uh, visual rebrand. Um, we expanded oh. so much in the last three years um, and we've, we've grown so many new brands and verticals off of betches Mm -hmm. that the previous website and the, like the, I guess the, the brand system brand branding visual system didn't allow us to, to continue to expand. And um, at that time, you know, there was like so much millennial pink and it was very muted. We really wanted to lean into our boldness. And we didn't feel like that the previous way we looked reflected who we want to be in the future or where we want to go, which is just being this really innovative, contemporary like content and Um. content engine and like brand for women. Um, So we kind of went away from like super editorial style blog, anything like that. And really- just kind of very bold. You can see, like we have so many like bright colors when you land on benches.com and it's very obvious what we do: um, podcasts, newsletters, content, e-commerce, and products. So like and experiences. So you can really just see that in the forefront, and we're not shying away from that boldness. Whereas before, we may have been a little bit more I'm not shy, just like just like a little bit more hesitant about leaning into the word batches and, and what that was. So that was really the big shift that we, we did just now. Like it was at the end of middle March and it was also to celebrate the 10 year anniversary.
0: Yes. Well, the look and feel of it seems fabulous. I almost forget what it used to be. That's how quick it's been, right? Exactly.
1: What was it then? Good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 what
0: you're after, right? (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you, um, how do you really make a decision who you're going to choose as a partner? Uh, which way you're going to go? How are you going to rebrand? What goes into that thought process? Because a lot of entrepreneurs uh, want to make changes all along the way, but they don't have, I guess that part of it is fear of change. But even more than that, they're not sure what the method is, especially when there's a few partners involved. What do you actually do to say, let's go here? No, let's not go there. What do you do together to, to land in the right place? You seem to always land in the right
1: place. Don't
0: take.
2: I think we're very good at um, <laughs> at knowing what we know and also knowing what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So we definitely have people who help us and advise us on things that we're if we're unsure. I mean, we know like we have an intrinsic feeling. We we want to rebrand. We want to change this or that.
0: Yeah.
2: In terms of like the execution, um, we know what we can handle and what we might need to outsource to a different to a company to help us with the design or to a, you know, depending on the project or depending on what we're, we're talking about. I think that like our ability to be very self-aware not only helps our content, but also helps our business and figuring out like what we can do and what we can't do. Alone. How do
0: you decide what podcast to do? You have 10, which is, I think 10, right? I counted 10. Yes. Mm -hmm. So amazing. And I guess there's no such thing as too many, but how did you decide, let's do a podcast on this, let's do a podcast on that. And what, like, what goes into that? Just a whim and you go, let's try it, throw it on the road, see what happens.
3: No, I mean, we, I think that sort of what we've been doing for the past few years is we've really been growing with our audience and like sort of both paying attention to the trends and letting them take the lead and noticing what people are really craving, what information, what conversations. So for example, like Betches Brides, we launched um, around when like Amy and I were engaged um, and our, a lot of our audience was, was you know, sort of in that phase or entering that phase or their friends were getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, for us, has been about really growing with the audience and seeing what their priorities are. So Betches Moms, we launched.
0: So in a way, it's yeah. like your, your Betches business grew up along with you. Is that where most of the seeds of the ideas came from? Like we're experiencing this, so let's do a podcast on huh? it?
3: Sort of, but also not just like what us personally are experiencing, but something that we know that. Our audience faces so so you know even when we our first podcast that we started were well first it was one with the three of us talking about pop culture, that was like our flagship, but our first expansion was was the u up podcast with Jordana talking about dating I mean when we started that, like our audience was very much you know, I would say probably in that phase where they were trying to find partners mm-hmm. and maybe maybe sort of getting out of that, you know, dating phase I mentioned earlier where you're sort of attracted to like, you know, not the nicest guys. So You Up sort of was like, it's a, a testament to that process of, so, of how our audience really kind of came to mature, I think, in relationships. And, you know, they're really appreciative of, you know, that advice. Um, so we really try to make it try to fulfill our audience's needs and you know problems and challenges as much as we can.
0: I guess this is gonna be my last question if I could. Um how do you uh not even handle it, but is there anything you lose in your personal life or in your whole whole of living uh by your notoriety? Is there anything that you give up that you kind of ugh that's a pain in the ass? Yeah,
3: I think it's like a little weird that um, a lot of our audience knows these really, really personal stories about me and like these discussions I have with my therapist and like <laughs> just a ton of really personal things and you don't know them and you don't know who's listening and, you don't, and they know so much about you mm-hmm. um, and you just kind of have to be okay with the fact that that is out there.
0: Do you switch into another personality when people treat you as though they know you intimately, that you have another person, you have another Sammy or Jordana, Eileen, that you can put out there for their pleasure, but you keep this other private person for yourself? Or is it all blended as the same individual?
2: I think it's, I think like, there's always things that like, you know, you're not going to share unless you've worked them out internally so or like privately so I I do think there's some elements that we still keep private but in terms of like our personality and I think that's what the audience really relates to and loves about the stuff that we put out is that we are who we are and we're not trying to like develop some curated personalities to please them but that's what the 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 parts of our podcast that people love most is when we're vulnerable and we are sharing like how we feel Mm -hmm. and the intimacy that that's like the best part about listening to a podcast is you feel like you have an intimate relationship with someone that you don't actually know.
3: <laughs> I couldn't like switch my personality if I tried.
0: Like, no, it's... you couldn't. I don't. I would agree with you. <laughs> but I could yeah. pick Alina as a medical doctor easily. I <laughs> feel like I'm doing a virtual medical visit with you.
1: That that makes me happy. <laughs> <Tell> your mom.
0: <laughs> so it might still be in the car. So well, thank you, girls, ladies. Thank you. Etches. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm so proud of your enormous success, uh, pr- not as much as your parents or your friends, I'm sure, but <laughs> close second. So thank you very much for sharing all your thoughts with me. Really. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having, us. having Thank us. you um, so um. much
2: for having us on. We're huge. Yeah. fans.
3: We don't want to usually, exaggerate. And as business people. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. But I like you three times as much as you like me. <laughs> we'll take that. Doubtful. Okay. And that's all we have time for today. search and follow business unusual on iheart radio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts